Welcome to Land Life, a podcast for North Coast landholders by North Coast Local Land Services. We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we live, work and play. From Bunjalung, Gitabal and Gumbangia country in the north, to Yagel, Dungadi and Biripai country in the south, we pay respects to the people and elders, past, present and emerging, across all the countries on which we work, and extend that respect to Aboriginal people listening to this podcast. Today we're bringing you part two in our series on the weed eradication program on Lord Howe Island. At the start of episode one, Ashley Goodwill spoke to Terry Wilson, who was involved in kicking off the program on Lord Howe Island in 2004. Terry spoke about his former colleague who was fortunate enough to travel the world and gather critical information on the impacts of the introduced and highly invasive cherry guava. We'll kick this episode off by continuing where we left off with Terry, talking about cherry guava as a catalyst for the Lord Howe Weed Eradication Program. In Jenny's travels, she came across a program in Rao Island in New Zealand whereby rather than just trying to attempt to put out, uh, put out the fire, if you like, or to um, target small areas, the whole of Rao Island was um, actually divided into grids. And the idea there was to, being an island, there was an idea that, well, we can actually move across this whole landscape rather than just target small areas maybe we should start thinking about moving across the whole landscape in a grid-like fashion. So Jenny adopted some of the principles from the Kiwis that developed and fine-tuned it to Lord Howe Island. And basically, we, we divided the whole island into these grids and um, we then were able to do some pre-mapping so to identify how dense the weed infestations were back then. And then once we started moving through the landscape we started recording information that hadn't been done before. So we very quickly built up a before and after type scenario where we could see weed density maps before we started and weed density maps after we moved through areas. And by recording data and generating these weed density maps, we had a real, um, a really good understanding of change over time. And that was so different and um, special compared to what... Um, well, certainly what I'd been doing on the mainland and what other land managers have been doing, we're able to record things, accumulate data and monitor change. And the funding authorities who are assisting us in our WE program really like this approach because for the first time they could really see change happening on the ground over time. The third person in our Lord Howe Island Biodiversity Super Trio is Sue Bauer. Sue heads up the weed eradication program that North Coast Local Land Services is supporting. Ashley checked in with Sue about how these weeds arrived in the first place, what they're doing to get rid of them, and some of the techniques they've employed to overcome the unique challenges faced on the island. Sue, can you tell me a bit about the project that you've been working on? Okay, the project, um, which is the weed eradication program, has been in train for some time. Uh, Pretty much it was a formal approach to uh, managing the weed risk on the island, which commenced in 2004. And I guess, as with any human um, habitation, people like to move plants around and plants to eat, if not plants to uh, 
improve the uh, visual qualities of your garden. And um, unfortunately, Lord Howe Island has in similar to other places that a lot of plants have been brought here, some purposely, some accidentally, and there is at least uh, 750 um, introduced plants recorded to the island, if not many more. And of those, some of them have escaped well beyond the garden fence and into the um, bushland areas in the island. And just to give you a bit of perspective, um, we have an area, about 80% of the island is considered as a permanent park preserve. It's equivalent to a national park, but it's not a national park as it's administered by the board. And so in the sense of managing the integrity of those um, protected areas, we've required to address weed issues island scale. Um, Lord Howe Island shares some of the weeds that are present on the mainland, such as ground asparagus and climbing asparagus. And since they are spread by birds and otherwise by um, wind, it means we have to sort of go island scale. And um, so how we go about managing weeds across the island is that we have the island divided up into uh, numerous weed management blocks, which are allocated towards like known landscape units and effectively our teams go out and grid search each of those blocks and systematically remove priority weeds. So it is a bit of a big job. And how did you come up with that island scale kind of management structure? Has Have you encountered that before? That must have been quite a difficult process to start getting underway considering as it's not just a small island patch there's there's a bit of area that you're covering that's right look the island covers about um 1400 hectares and as with like any sort of weed issue largely stemming from the settlement but moving out um look i've been lucky to have adopted or inherited the program um it was initially set up by uh the person previously in my position um jenny lacusson she um had the NAUF to gain some funding to explore the issues with weeds on other Pacific islands, um, particularly a plant called cherry guava, which um, has been introduced to a lot of Pacific islands during the early sort of settlement stages. And um, so she went to New Zealand, to Mauritius, um, to a few islands off uh, the states and ended up adopting a methodology that was um, developed in New Zealand by Department of Conservation over there. And so essentially the islands are mapped into these specific management units. Um, they're each coded. And it's a matter of systematically searching each of those blocks. Um, what might be a bit different to what's happening on the mainland is that we record the status of each individual weed species and its life status. So whether it's a seedling, juvenile or mature. Um, we record the amount of effort that's undertaken by teams or by air in each block. And... With that data, we can map how much effort it takes to weed a certain landscape unit, but also um, monitor the population trend with the weeds. So as we go back to each block, and to achieve eradication, essentially you want to see a downward trend in the matures uh, so that weeds aren't uh, reaching reproductive maturity and spreading. And so essentially uh, that data is then put into a database and it helps sort of um, track where we're heading, help us to allocate our resources to areas which are due for treatment. And, yeah, it's a little bit of a big task. So what what are the things that you've seen? What are the effects that you've seen on the island uh, since some weeds have been eradicated or, or even, as Hank mentioned, since you've had this rodent eradication? Has there been a big change? Is there blossoming of new activity of endemic species? Uh, certainly. Look, I just... Um, 
Fortunate, uh, fortuitous, um, I just think the Lord Howe Island is that um, the weed program has been uh, tracking on for about 15 years now. We're sort of midway through a projected 30-year period. And it's been quite fortuitous that there has been an island scale, um, all that effort on the weeds because we have reduced weed populations from areas that have received that repeat treatment, which is about 80% of the island. We have seen a downward trend in weed densities by about 90%. So back in the day, um, a person would encounter about, I think it, the stats might be about 34 weeds per hour. Now we're down to three weeds per hour, significant reduction. Um, and so, as you mentioned about the rodents, now that uh, the rodents are still um, absent from the island, we are seeing this ecological response and recovery. Um, we're seeing plants which um, we know from the mainland as fruiting all the time, but on the island we hadn't seen them. And so we'll be... Um, up in the hills looking at a little seed pod going, oh, that's unusual, what is that? And it's like, oh, wow, that's just a common um, native plant which we haven't seen fruit before. And, yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing, actually. Um, there's a few endemic threatened plants which are only known from the southern mountains. We have a plant called uh, Carmichaelia exul, known locally as Lord Howe Island broom. And it looks kind of like a little um, witch's broom. The leaves kind of stick up, but it's got a lovely pea-shaped flower. And whenever we'd come across that plant, there'd be hardly any seeds. Its leaves would be eaten back. And just for the last November, we had a helicopter program and we winched into the southern mountains and we're seeing massive blossoms of all these lovely pea-white sort of shaped mauve-coloured flowers. And it's like, oh, wow, that um, has been suppressed by the rodents. And, um, and even just walking along the trails on the island, you'll see little jasmine flowers and um, seeds on the ground. Do you give a lot of education to people who come to the island about the weeds program and about what, um, what weeds are remaining and how you're trying to get on top of them? Look, um, that is always an ongoing thing and um, we do need to communicate the changes more. Um, what has been interesting, I guess we have been here for a decade at least, <laughs> and so we have seen the changes because back in the day the weeds were really an evident part of the landscape. You have ground asparagus on the foreshore and through the lowland forest there will be guava and ochre along the sides of the tracks and fence lines. Whereas now when you wander through um, the accessible areas of the island, you don't see the weeds and um, you think that there's not a problem with the weeds. Um, so much so that I had a tourist um, from around Port Macquarie, um, we were at the barbecue together and he went, oh, it's really good there's no ground asparagus here and um, I almost fell over <laughs> because back in the day there was quite a lot. And so in the sense yeah. of the communications, look, we yeah. do have um, various articles go through our newsletters. When you um, come to Lord Howe Island and when the issues with COVID abate, um, if you do fly on the um, planes over here, there is a pamphlet which talks about our conservation programs and um, mentions about the weed species. And so um, I think we do need to... Um, communicate more in the sense of encourage people, maybe get a bounty on <laughs> finding <laughs> residual weeds. And, um, and also we do have communications about um, the restrictions on importing plants to Lord Howe Island. We do have a plant importation policy just to make mm -hmm. sure that people don't bring things which aren't safe for Ireland. Um, but we also have a raft of things which we are good, people need to eat. How do you get up into those, those areas where there are residual weeds? I, Hank mentioned... Um, using helicopters and, and what, what's that about? Can you tell us a bit more there? Okay, so when you come to Lord Howe Island, um, 
if you are geographically challenged, you can look to the south and see the southern mountains. So if you get mixed up which way is north or south, on Lord Howe Island, if you see two big peaks, <laughs> there are a lot of historical um, tracks across the island. So some of our weed management blocks are aligned to what they call cedar tracks, as in S-E-E-D-E-R-S. So back in the day, um, the local people used to collect the kentia palm, which is one of the main um, industries on the island, the kentia palm seed. And so there are a lot of um, tracks which kind of navigate more accessible or more accessible routes around the southern mountains and um, so hence that has been an advantage for us is that we know that we can tread along these certain routes to get to different areas. But look, it does require uh, the team, the teams are quite fit and resilient so it does require um, having a level of stamina but the good thing is that when you are undertaking weed search, you are gradually moving through the bush and you are looking at every square metre of terrain and now that we've had the mid-strata to low-strata weeds removed, we are actually starting to look up into the trees because we are finding like arboreal um, ground asparagus up there being spread by birds. Um, so there's definitely the legs on ground factor. And, um, and we do apply helicopters because we do have those mountains. Um, and so we have undertaken maybe about seven heli winch programs to date. And the idea behind that is to get people delivered to a certain point in the landscape to then have fresh legs to undertake an extended weed search. There is uh, one location up on the northern flank of Mount Gower, which is about 600 metres elevation. And to walk up there from sea level uh, takes a couple of hours. Uh, so then you will only be able to do a few hours of work and then you have to walk back down again. And so that's not sustainable in the sense of wearing people's legs out plus getting certain hectares of work done. Um, so the beauty about the helicopter program is that we have been able to do, we aim to sort of saturate the mountain with about 20 people. They're winched in in teams of six and undertake an extended weed search. So that's been quite helpful. <laughs> and, um, however, in saying that, um, it's very exhilarating arriving on site with a helicopter, but you do work harder because the train is much more steep and you do get a little bit upset when you're told that you have to walk home because there might be issues with weather. <laughs> but that's just what it is. Everyone has to be prepared to walk out, walk out if you um, participate in that program. And... Another great feature of Lord Howe Island is the surrounding cliff lines. We have them at sea level and also up in the mountains. And we have had uh, issues with ground asparagus in particular, more commonly to the north of the island, but we have found outliers in the southern mountains. And fortunately, in regards to sort of getting back to where we get our methodology from, also leaning on the work done in New Zealand, um, they have been using a heli lance sprayer to spot spray weeds on cliff lines, if not for pine trees over there. And so we managed to get a um, lance sprayer developed for Lord Howe, and that's been really successful. Pretty much there's like 200 litre spray pods on the side of the helicopter. The lance fortunately extends beyond the um, rotor blades of the helicopter, and so we've been using it to spot spray ground asparagus. Uh, we've probably rolled out about three of those operations to date. That's helpful because, um, look, we can access areas with twin rope access and we have been applying that, um, but that's quite timely in regards to risk to people. That's something that we need to consider.
Next up in our three-part Lord Howe Island series, we'll talk to Terry, Sue and Hank about what the future brings for Lord Howe Island. Again, if you simply can't wait to learn more, jump onto the Lord Howe Island board website to read about all the great work that's been done to restore the island's biodiversity. The link is in the show notes. This podcast is jointly funded through North Coast Local Land Services and the Australian Government's National Land Care Programme.